Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Of course, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. And we've got a good what if for you today. This one was brought to you, I, I mentioned it yesterday. It was brought to us by a couple of listeners that mentioned it on Twitter. And I could word this in a couple of ways, Frank, but I, I think given the success this man has had over the last two years in the job, I'm just going to start by saying, what if the Bucks didn't hire John Horst as GM? And before we dive into the process and how this all happened, I guess I wanted to just ask you right off the top, at this time, everything else aside, just purely based on the man himself, what was your reaction when the Bucks signed John Horst? Because I have to admit, I didn't know who the hell it was. Um, I, well, I, I did know who John Horst was. I mean, I, I remember him, uh, his name from way back. I mean, he joined right very, pretty shortly after John Hammond joined, right? Yeah. Came, came over from Detroit. And um, granted, uh, you know, it's always really hard to parse what, what role people outside of, you know, the GM have <laughs> in terms of basketball decision-making. I mean, you know, look, look no further than John Horst front office. Like nobody knows really anything about Milt Newton, who's his assistant GM, who, you know, I mean, we all know kind of where Milton came from. He actually was the GM of the, the Timberwolves previously, but, you know, like completely under the radar, you know, what, what happens and, and who is, is making, you know, contributing to decisions and all this other stuff. We, we know John Horst is the GM. We know Mike Budenholzer is, the coach and you know that's that's pretty much the extent i think from the outside of what you can figure out and just <laughs> figuring out what role bud has versus horst has is hard and likewise i mean going back uh to a few years ago um you know there was uh, obviously a fair bit of intrigue even prior to the john horse coming to the job uh with john hammond versus jason kidd what was their dynamic was jason kidd angling for john hammond's job you know, what was going on. And then, you know, Jason Kidd um, seemingly maybe uh, slides a little bit into the background, a little bit on him and, you know, the ultimate survivor. And um, and then Justin Zanuck gets brought on and that he is likely the heir apparent. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, I think folks who listened to Eric name and I back, uh, man, a couple of years ago, <laughs> a few years ago, when, when everything kind of first went down, this was like summer of 2017. Um, you know, people listen to us. I mean, we were generally just in like kind of disbelief at the fact that, you know, the Bucks run a process to hire a GM and then decide at the end that they don't like the person who's left over in the process. I mean, that was basically what happened um, with, with the GM hiring process. They, 
believe it was they got down to, um, ironically, um, Arturis Karnisovas, who's now the uh, GM of the Bulls, um, and and Zanuck, who was the internal candidate, but you know, came out. I think I think during the the during the the process, and then certainly after it came out that Wes Edens was pretty much just looking for a reason not to hire Justin Zanuck, and yet somehow at the end they get to <laughs> Justin Zanuck still being in the running, and then seemingly the last man standing, and then um, you know I don't even want to call it fireworks, um, more like sad trombones or whatever, uh, where you know, ownership just can't, can't align on what they want to do. And, um, certainly a lot of concerning, uh, discussion kind of around that about whether Bucks having, you know, multiple owners, uh, was kind of threatening the, um, decision-making apparatus and, you know, obviously John Horse basically being, uh, Justin Zanuck and all the other people have been ruled out or taken other jobs or, you know, um, Carnesivus was was promoted in Denver. You know, again, all kind of indications um, that I was hearing was that basically Zanuck was somebody that was well liked in the Bucks org, and um, Bucks were bending over backwards to find out, you know, uh, to come up with reasons not to hire him, and and that was obviously a sign of of uh, some some fractures in uh, in again the kind of the ownership ranks between West Edens and. And, um, well, mainly with Wes Edens not being convinced of Justin Zanuck. But, you know, again, instead of just saying, you know, uh, we're not going to hire you, they, they end up going through this protracted process. And, you know, basically, um, have all, yeah, they basically almost had nobody left other than John Horst, who, you know, really was uh, previously, right? So, anyway, um, yeah, it didn't look great for the Bucks. That's for sure. Uh, and and I thought, you know, in the probably in all the time that I've podcasted about the Bucks, I feel like that was probably the the most um, the most negative, most critical I've been of the organization and just the decision making process. Well, it's a perfect segue, Frank, because while you were critical of the Bucks' decision making process back then, uh, I'm not going to be critical of you and your decision making process. For what flavor Built Bar you get on your next order. Remember, Built Bar is a fantastic sponsor of the program. It is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors, Frank. So you, you, can, you can go any which direction you want to go there. They're great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. And they are 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. It's really just a fantastic snack. I, I've told you guys, I've been getting stuck into these guys and the best thing about it is we have a sweet offer for you. If you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. You know, I think right after it happened, I said, you know, we don't want to wish ill on John Horse, even if this this process has has sucked because it's kind of unfair to him too. Um, but you know, one of the ironies, I don't I don't know if it's exactly sent a good, you know, it's kind of like probably sent a bad message to ownership as well, especially Wes Eden as much as they did, and still coming out of these. I think if the lesson from that is that hey, we ended up, you know, making the right decision and you know, it all worked out. I was like, eh, I don't know if that's really the takeaway. Should we? So if we go right back 
to the time that this happened, remember this was in June 2017, as you mentioned, the Bucks had just beaten the, uh, sorry, just lost to the Raptors in, in six in the first round. Uh, Giannis had the extension. This was just about to kick in. And some of the things you mentioned there in regards to the owners and whether or not they were going to be able to get on the same page, uh, there's an interesting, and it's a pretty dark article. I'm not sure if you remember this, Frank, from ESPN around the time that really outlined the process and, and reported on reportedly some of the things that went down. And as you sort of mentioned, uh, Zanik was a guy that seemed to be well-liked within the organization, but perhaps not so much by Edens, who at the time was the guy that had the final call and could, could override any decision as a part of this deal with uh, Lazary and, and the ownership group in, in how they were going to organize this uh, three-way uh, split, I guess. So Edens is the only one that shows up to the, to the press conference, the introductory press conference with John Horst. Uh, Lazary and, and Dinan aren't there. That yeah. is, by reports, <laughs> something that could have been avoided and they could have been there, but apparently there was uh, some sort of appointment that meant they couldn't be there. Uh, oh, so right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're starting to get all these reports out. And remember, this is really the second significant decision they have had to make. The other one they made was bringing in Jason Kidd, who, uh, let's just say, uh, the way that they that went down was potentially not exactly uh, exemplary business in terms of uh, Larry Drew and everything that, that happened there. So there's no doubt at this point that there's some real concern that maybe this is going to be a disaster. And the, the word in this ESPN article that stands out that is um, pretty terrifying, even if you read it now, is, is that uh, it was Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst, and they bring up the fact that uh, Giannis' contract is about to kick in, and it says the Bucks are on the clock. And uh, I remember at the time reading this thinking, well, okay, this isn't great. This is, this is a pretty scary uh, thing to read. If, if, if there is all this dysfunction behind the scenes, how is this ever going to be something that's going to work out? And to be honest, it made you question John Horst, who, by the way, really, since he's come on, has hardly uh, put a foot wrong. And you can go through some of the uh, transactions, deals that he's been able to make happen since he came here. I mean, obviously, Bud uh, bringing him in was a, was a big deal. But then the whole the whole, whole roster turnover, drafting Dante, the George Hill trade, Brooke Lopez signing him in, uh, not paying Jabari and the, the Brogdon sign of trade. I mean, he's, he's made a, a number of moves. Obviously, as that article indicates, the Bucks are still on the clock. The one move that would uh, cement him forever as a, as a legendary GM, I think, is getting Giannis to sign that Supermax. But at the time, it was a scary time. And that's what I remember, thinking, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. And, and this could turn pear-shaped pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, again, the, um, there were all those questions about Jason Kidd and, and you know, there was at least discussion that, that he might not survive that summer. Uh, and certainly, you know, I think all of us were also nervous at the idea of, you know, will Jason Kidd take advantage of, you know, a potential kind of power vacuum, especially with the young GM coming in, mm-hmm. into power. Um, you know, is he going to seize upon that to kind of wrestle back some of the influence that it seemed like he had lost the year before? Um, you know, it had obviously been a couple of years of 
Um, not so great track record of, of Buck's decision making. And obviously a lot of that, um, you know, and again, like it's, it's always hard to kind of parse exactly like, well, what has Jason Kidd's fingerprints on it and, and what's John Hammond and what's a collective decision and, and whatever, right? Like, you know, we can kind of speculate on a lot of that um, all night, but um, that, that was a, probably my biggest concern was, you know, if you bring on a, uh, let's just say a more, a, even a slightly more experienced GM, which again, not that, that Zanuck or the guys that they were looking at really were experienced GMs, certainly not. Um, you know, they were all would have been more or less first time GMs in most cases. Uh, but they at least kind of gone through the grooming process, right? Whereas horse obviously was a guy that nobody, not even himself expected to be. A, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody was expecting him to, to be a GM in the next, you know, couple of years or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was obviously just a really kind of fraught situation and, and one that, um, I think everybody had, had concerns over. And, um, you know, I, again, I mean, we can kind of tick through, um, some of the decisions, but I mean, to me, I think the biggest one, and I think, you know, if you want to talk about like the what ifs and things like that, you know, I think the biggest one for me is, is, is the, the, the coaching hire. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I'm going to guess that Zanuck wouldn't have fired kid immediately or something like that. Um, but obviously the, the probably the biggest question for any alternate reality is, you know, when, when would kid have been fired and who becomes the head coach in, you know, in, in succeeding Jason kid. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, you can't really find much to fault with, with the hire of, of, Bud. you know, I think the only guy that was hired that summer that you'd say, would have been a guy that you could argue would have been a better choice would have been Nick nurse who was promoted from the bench to the full-time job in Toronto. But, you know, again, uh, were the bucks going to steal away Nick nurse, you know, probably not. Right. And I think in the grand, <laughs> grand scheme of things, you're pretty happy with the way things have gone with, with, but obviously to be continued, uh, if they don't win a championship, then you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll even second guess that. But um, certainly the, the cultural turnaround in her butt, I think is, is really the most important thing that that has happened under uh, under John Horst's watch, and um, and that also impacts greatly, I think, the decisions that have come after it, right? I think certainly Bud has obviously played a, a big role in in a lot of the decision making, and um, you know, again, then we start to kind of get into a lot of the same questions about, you know, well, who who really wanted Brooke Lopez, right? <laughs> like, you know, was was did Bud really want Brooke? Um, I'm guessing Bud really wanted Ursan, right? Because <laughs> he was the guy they signed first. So um, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic. You know, if you really parse it, it's like okay, they deserve credit for getting Brooke, but they also went out and got Ursan right away too. So and paid him more money than, than Brooke. So kind of some interesting kind of back and forth there. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think Bud is really the biggest kind of you know swing uh, swing decision when you look at all these. Um, but but I agree, there's obviously others. Certainly, some of the other positive ones. I mean, I think the Bledsoe trade uh, before Kid was fired, you know, is probably the the most important positive decision um, of that year. Uh, I think there's probably much much more of a mixed bag, sort of, you know, in that first year. The Tony Snell signing, obviously, you know, ultimately, ultimately came back to to bite them uh, last summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Bud signing is is probably the the biggest thing for me. And then, um, you know, I think there's a number of other kind of key decisions that, that came after that. Um, or, or slightly before, I mean, the Bledsoe decision before that, but then after that, uh, you know, signing Brooke, 
uh, trade, you know, being able to salary dump Daly and, and John Ensign and, and getting George Hill out of that trade obviously was, was another huge one. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's been a, an interesting ride and obviously it's only been a few years, but you know, any, any given season, obviously, you know, a front office can have a bunch of decisions to make and obviously for the Bucks to go from where they were, um, to a team that now, you know, is, has had the best record in the league for two straight years. Obviously they've had to do a number of things, right. Um, it, you know, it's not purely just letting Giannis cook and <laughs> letting Giannis be honest. There obviously were a number of decisions, both big and small that, um, that have worked in their favor. And uh, obviously, you know, regardless of who is GM, you feel pretty good if, with, with the decisions that were made for the most part. Well, before we move on, Frank, let me tell you about the most useful app on my phone. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Working at home at the moment allows me to use Blinkist not only when I'm driving in the car, but when I'm working at home, when I'm taking my lunch break, when I'm having my morning smoko, whatever you need to do, you can use Blinkist. And the good news is we have a deal for you. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA and try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your seven-day trial. And you also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. I think one thing that stands out to me, uh, and again, I mean, you're, you're going off, you're basing a lot of this off reports. I mean, we weren't on the inside we don't exactly know 100% what went on, but one of the other things that stands out to me is is reading that Zanuck had a pretty good relationship with Kid. And when I think about that, I'm like, okay. I mean, it, it did feel at the time when I think back that it was trending in one direction anyway, and Jason Kidd was probably going to to move on at some point. But again, I mean, you never know. I mean, I think this was one of the, the benefits of bringing in a young guy that uh, hadn't been in that GM role before, didn't really feel like he needed to, to play it safe or make any safe moves. He's young. He's like, okay, uh, we'll move on from kid. And again, the decision-making itself, we don't 100% know who influenced what in, in all these moves. But as the GM and the guy that was uh, awarded the executive of the year for 2019, he gets the credit for that. And uh, I, I don't think one thing you can say with John Horst, even as we were talking through this season and looking at the trade deadline, uh, he's not really someone that that sits on his hands. He's always been proactive in looking to make moves that uh, will not only benefit the team right now, uh, but projecting ahead to put them in a position to succeed. You mentioned the Della Vadova and John Henson trade. I mean, unbelievable to, to bring in George Hill, who at the time, I, I think a lot of us thought this was a good move regardless because you put yourself in a position to bring back some of these key players that you knew you were going to struggle to uh, in the summer of, of last year. Uh, but he's also picked up George Hill has become such a vital member of the roster on court and a guy that has been able to rejuvenate his play and, and 
in in some ways uh, play to a level that many people probably didn't think he had left in him. So uh, that was a, sort of a double pronged move that helped both then and in the future, and and we've seen uh, right the way through. I mean, I, again, I, I think that it helps when you have a guy like Giannis when we look at the fringe moves in terms of bringing in guys like Marvin Williams and and uh, the veterans, Kyle Corver. I mean, it, it all helps the relationships. Bud has played a big factor in that, the team, the fact that the team is winning. I mean, it's been a favorable environment, but uh, a lot of credit has to go to Horst. And, and like I mentioned before, he was 34 when he came on board at a really, really critical time uh, for this franchise. And again, uh, certainly a lot of question marks from the outside about the stability of the situation and whether this was something that could work. And from everything you read and hear and, and people you talk to, they say that there was not a lot of faith that this kind of set up this three-pronged ownership decision-making process could work. And they've really righted the ship over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big question now is just going to be how sustainable is it, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, John Hammond himself, former executive year winner and in 2010, and, and obviously, you know, the, the his his journey thereafter was uh you know much more of a mixed bag and and so i think the the challenge for for any organization is you know can you can you have the building blocks um to you know to have sort of the long-term sustained success so that you're not just you know it wasn't just one move or one guy that that really kind of carried you and and i think you know again like i said i think um you know having a coach like bud I would say it's a double-edged sword to some extent. I'd say it's mostly works in your favor, obviously. But um, I think, you know, again, the, uh, as as Nate Duncan and Danny Rue would say, you know, when you have the guy who – Bud may not be the GM here, but, um, you know, the bike uh, Ludenholzer uh, era in, in, uh, in Atlanta where he was GM and coach uh, after Danny Ferry left, not really a great track, <laughs> track record there. <laughs> Uh, of of kind of wearing both hats, um, I would say certainly the experience here would suggest you know his ability to focus on being the coach with input to the GM, and obviously you would say he probably has a lot of influence um, on the decisions that the uh, that the front office makes. Um, you know, I think just looking back, right, Dante Divincenzo was rumored to be a guy that Bud really liked, and obviously I think that's worked out very well. Um, you know, uh, Ursan being a day one signing and the history with, with, uh, with Bud, that one's probably, you know, more of a mixed bag uh, has not been like a disaster or anything like that. Um, but financially, certainly, you know, we expect him to kind of run its course this summer or this, this off season, whenever that comes with uh, the last year of his deal being non-guaranteed. Um, and so it, yeah, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to see just sort of how this, unfolds you know over the next few years and just to see is this you know again sort of a, an organizational construct and is the balance between you know Horst and, and Budenholzer can that continue to you know succeed in the way that that it has um, these past couple of years and you know probably not surprisingly with um, maybe a, a team that obviously is succeeding and with a coach who is winning now and you know I would say probably not controversial to say that Bud is more of a kind of has his guys that he trusts type type of coach. Um, most coaches like that are probably not going to maybe be as biased towards young players. And certainly, you know, I think when you look at the Bucks, the, the probably from a roster construction standpoint, um, the biggest concern you'd have is that 
other than Dante, they really don't have, you know, any other um, young guys that, that really are, uh, you know, kind of in the developmental pipeline. Um, you know, I think when you look back at, at Horace first draft, you know, DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown, you know, as we were kind of talking about the other day, you know, DJ at this point, I think they would gladly take back the team option they picked up a year ago on, on DJ, just given um, the likely coming uh, financial challenges that, that most teams in the cash cash crunch that most teams are going to be feeling. And, you know, with DJ not being able to crack Bud's rotation uh, and obviously Sterling a disappointing third year, his future in Milwaukee also obviously in doubt. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that'll be probably one of the interesting things. And, and you know, if I'm Giannis, um, probably the biggest reason why I, I would be hesitant to sign a, a Supermax is just because, um, you know, again, uh, this is a really veteran-laden team. And, uh, you know, Chris, obviously very much in his prime. Um, you know, Giannis, obviously very much in, entering his prime. Um, but as far as all the supporting pieces and the kind of key guys that kind of make the roster tick around uh, those two, Obviously, the rest of the roster is, is getting a bit up there in age. And, and I think certainly, when you look three years from now, you know, is this going to be as good a roster three years from now as it is right now around Giannis? I would say the odds are probably no, right? I mean, you know, you have to, at some point, you're going to have to replace what, you know, Brooke Lopez gives you, which is tremendous. You know, George Hill has been terrific. And he's obviously, you know, entering what, 34, I believe now. Um, Bledsoe is, is on the other side of 30 at this point. Um, you know, for the most part, the kind of key guys in this roster are going to be getting worse rather than getting better. Or, you know, hopefully they can kind of maintain close to that level they're at now. Um, but I think that's really the the next wave of of challenge. And and again, the the bar for being, um, you know, a a sustainably great organization is can you find you know that next wave of talent? You know, can you identify guys not just in the draft, but you know, underappreciated guys in free agency? Certainly some some good signs there. I mean, like a Pat Connaughton signing, I think, obviously it's been um, very encouraging in that regard. Um, but can you kind of continue to reload um, as other guys, you know, as, as you have to kind of make some difficult decisions? Um, and I think probably the, the biggest question mark that, you know, will be talked about, you know, if the Bucks lose and, and don't win a championship, obviously it will be the Brogdon decision, um, which – you know, again, that that's not just a uh, just the GM making that decision in, in isolation. I think it sounded like Bud was very much okay with Brogdon being the guy that that didn't come back. <laughs> uh, I do not think it's a coincidence that uh, everybody from the from last year's squad more or less came back, but but Brogdon, um, but and obviously ownership and their willingness to pay the tax is another huge part of what went into the Brogdon decision, um, but. You know, again, I think the fact that all indications are there there was a path to getting a trade exception, and the Bucks did not get one. Um, and I don't think we ever got really a satisfying answer from John Horst or anyone else as to how what happened there, or they just didn't re- understand how to do that. Um, that I think, again, things like that will weigh on our mind because, again, you know, the bar is not hey, let's be good, right? The bar is win a championship, <laughs> and so um, for better or worse, you know when you're executive of the year and you're the coach of the year and you've got the MVP, um, you know, everybody's the, the magnifying glass is, is that much crisper and sharper. Uh, and you know, if, if you fall short, um, a move like that is obviously going to be, be looked at. And I think collectively that's not just going to be a John horse problem. That's going to be, you know, an ownership, a bud, 
and a front office question if, if the Bucks do fall short. So um, to me, that's kind of the biggest shoe that hopefully never drops for the, for the Bucks. Uh, hopefully they win without Malcolm Brogdon and uh, we don't have to worry about that. But, but certainly um, that's kind of one of those things that's sort of, I think, hanging over, um, you know, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, from a front office standpoint, that's probably the biggest thing that's still hanging over them. And, and I think that's why there was, you know, probably uh, a fair bit of, you know, hand-wringing over, over the, the organization and, and sort of decision-making and the willingness to spend that we saw last summer, even coming off a season where they win 60 games and obviously we're pretty close to, to playing in the NBA Finals. All right, so this was a, I said this from the top, this was a pretty interesting what-if to go back and, and look at because truly now is the first time, I guess I've been watching the Bucks for 15, 20 years. This is the first time uh, this season, really, last year, I guess, uh, it was like, oh, okay, hmm, you know, this, this team's pretty good. Uh, Horse is making some moves. And then this season, uh, after the summer they had coming through, it was really the first time that I was like, okay, I actually feel like I trust the Bucks to make some uh, some decent moves in the front office. They, they've they've had some hits here in the last couple of years. Uh, so credit to, obviously, Horst and Bud and, and everyone else for, for making uh, those decisions because, uh, like we've just gone over, back in June 2017, I myself was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what direction this is going to head. So credit to everyone for, for making this work out to this point. And the one thing I'll say... Uh, the the move when you talk about Brogdon and all the other moves and what they mean ultimately moving forward, uh, I think as long as you get Giannis to sign on a dotted line, you're going to be in as good a position as you could possibly be because uh, as much as we talk about John Hammond and his tenure in Milwaukee, he never had a Giannis with him. And I think that ultimately makes things a little bit easier uh, right across the board. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure for the Bucks to make that happen. So that's obviously the next move and the thing that he has to make... Uh, happen for the Bucks to be contending for the next four or five years. But again, thanks to everyone for sending that one in. Don't be shy. Make sure to keep sending them through at Lockdown Bucks. You can get us uh, outside of this podcast. You guys know, I keep plugging Chad Ford's big board. Make sure you go and listen to that one. And Frank, thank you for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you guys again tomorrow.